Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Your Ben Jarofsky Show for Tuesday, November 22nd. It's coming right up. It's brought to you in part by SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, the Chicago Teachers Union, and Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for everything there is to know in the city of Chicago, where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink, and every now and again, what kind of cannabis you can find at those dispensaries in town. And so much more, including columns from our very own Ben Jarofsky. And speaking of Ben Jarofsky, he's got a guest today, Mark Sims. You may know him. He's coming up in just a bit. Here's Ben. Hello again, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Mayor Trash Talk Tuesday, and here's why. Because the trash talking is hot and heavy. (laughs) That's why. Monday, a bunch of candidates for mayor and aldermen submitted their petitions to get on the ballot, thus officially launching the mayoral campaign season in the city of Chicago. We just finished the midterms. We just got over the anxiety, the frustration, the fear, the momentary jubilation, the hard set in reality. The MAGA still holds the house. All that just got through with that. And now start your engines getting ready for a mayor's race. By the way, just before I go any further, I want to say uh, I am not in my attic uh, in uh, Chicago. I am in this um, <laughs> very tiny uh, Airbnb in Los Angeles. I'm visiting my kids. Uh, they're not kids. They're grown women. All right. I'm visiting my children uh, for uh, Thanksgiving. A whole bunch of hanging with the millennials and babies to millennials and having a lot of fun but uh, onward and upward got to do that show so i do the show wherever i am and uh, my distinguished guest mark sims sitting back ready to join us before i bring on mark let me get back to the topic at hand which is uh the mayor's race and uh you know i'm totally obsessed with politics as you know ladies and gentlemen i know not everybody shares my obsession for instance i'm in los angeles right now and i'm aware that they just had a mayor's race and even though i do not have access to the newspapers uh in los angeles i sort of follow it from afar and i know enough from i go in and i see the signs that are up uh in uh on lawns etc and so forth and they elected uh, karen bass as their mayor she beat a man named Rick Caruso. In a lot of ways, there's some kind of parallels uh, to Chicago. Karen Bass, a congresswoman uh, of the leftist persuasion, uh, more or less a Bernie Sanders uh, Democrat. I thought Joe Biden might pick her as his running mate. If you recall, for a while, Joe Biden was considering uh, selecting her. She was on the list of candidates. Uh, and then he took Kamala Harris. I often wonder, like, what you know? What would the difference make? Uh, Karen Bass is, I think, just more a forceful uh, lefty. Of the, yeah, not really a lefty, like the people who come on my show, lefties, but uh, more from the left uh, flank of the Democratic Party uh, than Kamala Harris, uh, who's more mainstream and centrist. So I'd be kind of curious what would have happened if the roles reversed. Anyway, she picked herself up from that disappointment, uh, ran for mayor, ended up against a rich, rich former Republican named Rick Caruso. 
And here's where the parallels to Chicago come. Uh, Caruso used his uh, his money, his fortune, and uh, his tough on uh, crime campaign. Uh, got a, an endorsement from the Kardashians, which one I can't remember, so don't ask me. Uh, and came, made it to the runoff, and. Uh, came pretty close for a former Republican in a mostly Democratic city. So there's some kind of like parallels to Chicago as we get. And as I said, uh, Monday, yesterday was the first day where you could submit your petitions. You have a full week to, to do so. Uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot is taking advantage of that full week. It looks like uh, Jesus Chewy Garcia, Congressman Garcia will be doing as well. So two of the best known candidates in the race need every single day they can to gather uh, signatures to the petitions. Why? Because we have this insane nominating uh, procedure in the city of Chicago where you need 12,500 good uh, signatures on your petitions. And I mean good. I mean, they, they better match up with the signatures on the voter cards, the voter ID cards that you filled out when you registered to vote. You better live at the address where you say you live. You better have uh, signed where you're supposed to sign and print where you're supposed to print. I signed a petition for one candidate whose name uh, will remain anonymous because I think I've signed three petitions, which technically two I think are not valid so if they're right now some uh, op opposing uh, ballot knocker outer could look through these petitions and go uh oh that Jarofsky guy is signed three we're knocking her I'm off knocking that signature off so I'm not going to tell you which one was the third one you'll have to figure it out on your own in the course of this uh, conversation but anyway when I signed the petition I noticed that the person ab above me had signed his or her name where uh, they were supposed to print their name. Uh, and I told the petition gather, you know, they're going to knock this out. Mike Casper's going to knock it out. I always give uh, like 10 trivia points to any petition gatherer if they can identify Mike Casper. That's a deep dive, ladies and gentlemen. Mike Casper is an election lawyer, works for the Democratic Party. He's Rahm's lawyer, Madigan's lawyer. <laughs> He's the guy that knocks out the people who have hope. We're like, want to want to be the Democrats in the Democratic Party? Bring in Casper, knock them out. That'll teach those lefties. Uh, anyway, so I go, yo, my Casper will knock them out. And they go, what? Who's Casper? And I go, ah, forget it. it's not worth going into. Uh, so anyway, most people in the city of Chicago are not really paying attention to the mayor's race. Let's be honest, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, the Bendrovsky show is in a, exists in a world, I call it lefty land, but it's also political land. Anybody who listens to the Bendrovsky show is pretty obsessed with politics. So they know that this is the first week to gather petitions and they know you need 12,500 good signatures and they know who Michael Casper is and they know the games that let's say Ricky Hannon and Willie Wilson be playing to any black candidate who gets in the race. They know this because they listen to our show and they read my column. They know what's going on in the city of Chicago. Can't fool them. But I hate to say this, ladies and gentlemen, the vast, vast majority of people in the city of Chicago do not listen to the Ben Jarofsky show. My distinguished guest is nodding his head. He goes, yeah, that's true. It's a shame. They don't listen to my podcast either. <laughs> oh, man. People in Chicago go, I'd rather be ignorant, not know anything, than have to listen to a show about politics. Anyway, so the vast majority aren't paying attention. They don't know what's going on. It took so long for them to learn that there was a runoff system in Chicago. And even now. I'm not quite sure they understand. I remember when uh, Rob made the runoff, uh, was in the runoff, forced to runoff by Chuy Garcia in 2015. And voters tell me, wait a minute, I already voted. I got to vote again? <laughs> and you know, here's the thing, folks. You could study politics. You could take that deep dive and know every single candidate, you know all the rules and regulations. You know who Mike Casper is. Know who Ricky Hendon is. 
know who Willie Wilson is. You can know all these things. Well, I think pretty much everybody in the city of Chicago knows Willie Wilson. Right? You can know all these things about politics, and guess what? Your vote counts every bit as much as the guy who goes, I don't know. <laughs> we got to vote again? Huh? That's the way it goes in a democracy. You don't get more votes because you're more sophisticated in your understanding of politics. You follow more closely. Uh-uh, you don't get more votes. Oh my God, I'm getting in trouble with all my lefty listeners who sh- say, you're, stop shaming the voters. All right, I'm not going to shame the voters anymore. But I, in reality, uh, most people in the city of Chicago don't start uh, following in the mayor's race really closely until the Super Bowl. So the mayor's race, I think, is sometime in February. Having the coldest time of year. <laughs> the things you do in Chicago, people, and you like accept that. Like, why would you have a mayor's? Have you ever heard of winter in Chicago? Chicago, it's freezing. That's when you have your mayor's race. It's cold. This is like another obstacle to keep people from voting. They already, they already look for any excuse they can not to vote. I don't know. There's no difference between the candidates. I don't know. Crime and poverty still exist, uh, even though this person said that they would get rid of it. Hello. <laughs> They're not going to just get rid of crime and poverty in one election. It's like an ongoing fight. I'm not voting. There's already these obstacles, these man-made artificial obstacles that people come up with because they're lazy, don't want to vote, don't want to take a stand, don't want to pay attention. We'd rather watch White Lotus or whatever they're watching on TV. I just say that because I watched an episode last night. There are all these uh, disadvantages right now. Do we add one more? You know, an election on the coldest days of the year. I know global warming is coming, but still, it's pretty cold in February in Chicago. Any excuse Chicagoans have not to vote, they will take. I think the turnout last I saw for the midterms is in the 40s. I was talking about this with Alden Lowry. I urge everybody to check out that interview. Great interview, Alden Lowry. Uh, really, really smart, smart man. Really takes a deep dive on a lot of issues. And he's pointing out like all that fury over the midterms and like 40% turnout in the city of Chicago. It's pretty appalling. Anyway, uh, but folks will eventually start paying attention. But the people who really are in the know uh, will be paying attention right now. And they're listening to the Ben Jarowski show. And I appreciate every single one of you. I uh, hear the candidates who filed uh, yesterday their petitions. And um, so, again, 12,500 is what you need. They always brag about, I got 30,000. I got 40,000. <laughs> I got 50,000. Yeah, you need a lot of signatures because they're going to be knocking off signatures. Ricky Hennett will be in that room for Willie Wilson knocking off signatures. Willie Wilson filed, Paul Vallis filed, Cam Buckner filed, State Representative Cam Buckner. Uh, Brandon Johnson filed, who, of course, was Chicago Teachers Union on the show a week ago or so, uh, and a Cook County Commissioner. Uh, Sophia King filed, the older women of the Fourth War. Uh, she is uh, running for mayor. And Jim Al Green, uh, the activist. Uh, this is his second go around. I believe Ricky Hendon and Willie Wilson knocked him off the ballot in 2019. And as I mentioned many times, you see City So Real. Uh, they almost came to blows, Ricky Hendon and uh, J. Mal Green, in that uh, petition challenge. So uh, he filed. We'll see if he makes it. Uh, and then for Alderman, for the first word, uh, just run this by Proco Joe Moreno running again. Sam Royko, the son of uh, Mike Royko, legendary Chicago Daily News columnist and sometimes columnist and Tribune columnist, but his greatest days with the Daily News, I think everyone will agree. Uh, and Daniel Espada, the incumbent alderman, uh, good 
democratic socialist leftists, uh, and they'll be running crime, 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 <laughs> defund the police. How dare you be scared first quarters? I can hear already. And then they like the trash talking for mayor. Mark Simpson on deck, just, yeah, the trash talking in the mayor's race already. It's like Willie Wilson. Well, I filed first. Lori Lightfoot can't get her petitions again. Like anybody cares. Paul Ballas, trash talking, Jesus Chewy Garcia. You know, like, oh, wow, he got in the race kind of late. I was in the race early. Well, you know, one guy, he was a congressman. He had other things to do, Paul Ballas. Random trash talking. Uh, Brandon Johnson, uh, his people, uh, we're out collecting signatures on election day, the midterm election day, and they uh, uh, like hundreds and thousands of signatures. You know, they got a pretty good organization there, good, pretty good field organization. Uh, so that's going to be a pretty formidable uh, campaign, Brandon Johnson, in terms of a field organization. And again, Lori Lightfoot uh, and Jesus Chewy Garcia have not filed yet. My guess is they'll take the full week. So the race has started. The trash talking has begun. Uh, the people who really pay attention are paying attention, and the vast majority of Chicagoans are wallowing in their ignorance. Anyway, without further ado, I'm going to bring on Mark Sims, podcaster Mark Sims, dear friend of the show. As I always point out, for years and years and years, I would come on his show. And now he is returning the favor and he comes on my show. We have a lot to talk about. Welcome back, Marcus T. Sims. Uh, ben, can you hear me? <laughs> yes, I can hear I mean, you. First you know, things I mean, first. I, I always have these, te these technical difficulties when I do these things. Chris is helping me out. Can you hear the dryer? No, we cannot hear the dryer. Good. We're all because, good. Because the underwear has to be clean and dried. Yes. Do you, like, you don't like dirty drawers, do you? No. Do okay. not like dirty draws. No, I don't, you haven't liked them since you've been a kid, right? I have never liked them. Well, maybe when I was a baby, no, I can't hey, well, back in the day, days. Back in the day, when we were kids, uh -huh. they were cloth diapers. Because I remember seeing them when my brother's a little bit younger. They were, remember cloth diapers with the pen? Yes, I remember. They don't That's have a, yeah, now they have a clamp. They still have them in the they universe. Do? Yeah. Oh, oh, I know. Certain people are like, oh, the environment, I got to wear. But I'm saying, can you manage oh, hey, changing dirty, poopy diapers and washing them? Oh, yeah. Uh, well, you know, uh, as I recall, uh, my wife and I were big believers. Oh, I just like. Wait, wait, wait. Well, Y'all did cloth diapers? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Big, oh, you fact, were those liberals. Wow. Yeah, a a Northside liberal. Yeah, Northside uh, liberal. That's what I was talking about. Uh, so, okay. Uh, all right. This is a tangent with a tangent, but no, you know I don't I mean? know. If, by the way, I don't know. So I don't know if cloth diapers are still a thing, but there was a brief comeback around the t in the eighties. Right. Uh, and so my wife was a big believer and somehow or other, I don't know how a channel nine enterprising channel nine reporter was doing a story on it and was connected with my wife. And I remember, uh, the news shot on our front porch with the, uh, the news reporter going, we visited one North Side resident. And then my wife lets her in the door. You know how they do that at TV news? Wow. I don't know if they, they go, yeah, hi, welcome. And she's holding the baby and wow. who's now in her 30s. Like, good time, time flies. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's so easy. And I wasn't in there to go, can we keep the husband out of this shot? 
Okay. I, mean, I want to be on Channel 9, too. Anyway. I mentioned uh, dirty draws because people rather talk about dirty draws than uh, or dirty underwear versus politics. All right. Well, let's get down to business. <laughs> yeah, we're not talking about dirty underwear for the rest of the show. We're talking <laughs> politics. we got to talk Dave Chappelle. I have a whole list of things I want to talk to Mark about. Uh, and then uh, uh, Twitter and uh, Musk and Trump and yay. Well, all that stuff. But we got to talk. Uh, and then. Uh, something that uh, Mark revealed to me, I did not know this. Uh, Mark Sims revealed this to me. The four largest cities uh, in the United States of America, I believe in terms of population, four largest cities have black people as mayors. I did not know that until Mark Sims told me that. Well, you know everything, Ben. You know that. I was shocked. <laughs> shocked. As much as you love uh, color folks, mainly <laughs> Negroes. You love Negroes. I was shocked you didn't know that. Uh because you know the, everything. The words of our guests do not reflect the words of the Bendrowski show. Okay. You love, um, you love them. So uh, <laughs> you sound like Randy Newman. Uh, there's a song where he goes, I love them. I forget. But I think it's uh, L.A. That's I love L.A. I love yeah, it. Yeah. Like yeah, well. All right. So uh, mayor's race. Uh, do you agree with do you think I'm being too cynical and too jaded when I say the vast majority of people in the city of Chicago aren't paying attention, won't pay, start paying attention if they pay attention at all until the Super Bowl? I, I, yes, I think you're in Los Angeles right now, and I don't know what the uh, the turnout in L.A. was uh, for the recent election, mayoral election, but they used to have like 25% turnout in L.A., you know what I'm saying? Yeah. With the weather so nice out there, do you really want to go vote? You know what I'm saying? Give me a break. And, but here, I, I posted some things on, you know, first of all, let me say this real quick. My show is called just a few questions just type it in just a few questions podcast i think about 60 percent of all podcasts go through um apple people listen on apple podcasts believe it or not i read that one time one source but it's, it's, it's an anchor podcast really cheap website which that's all i got it got a low budget podcast <laughs> uh, and but i don't have that i don't have that extravagant budget it's Ben Jarofsky. <laughs> he can do a show from los angeles california I'm like, you can oh, do one God. too yeah right <laughs> I'm in the hood, man. The people murdered uh, uh, walking distance from my house. Jamal Green's is, uh, he's not too far. His office is not far from my house. And if it closes down soon, we know he didn't, he got kicked off the ballot or something, right? Yeah. <laughs> you don't know, right? For him again. Yeah, I know. But the, I, no, I, I posted this recently on uh, on uh, Twitter. I know you love Twitter. You love Elon, Elon Musk hmm. and Facebook. I did the Facebook too. And hopefully, I try to say a lot in two sentences because I can barely see you're a writer. I can barely put two sentences or two words together. It's just really, I take a whole half an hour to do this, maybe a whole day. But I said there are seven, there are seven African American candidates, candidates running for mayor against Lori Lightfoot. And after, now the next line says, there should be no, uh, there should be no wonder why. I see, I see I, that's that writer elementary school. Uh, CPS <laughs> education. You should you should you should understand why we have so many issues. Why African Americans have so many issues. You can see when you have seven black people running against the mayor of Chicago. It's insanity. Most of it is, is ego tripping. I got it. I consider running for mayor of the 21st Ward where I live in, where I live at. And it was just all ego. I wasn't qualified for the damn job, but I was all ego. So I didn't run because I knew it was a waste of time. So it's really sad to see this, uh, that all these black people running against Lori Life, but not so much against Lori Life, but it's just like, it's ridiculous. Most of the crime in Chicago, 
most of the crime in Chicago is black folks committing all sorts of manner of crime. And we know that's a legacy of slavery, which Thomas Sowell does not agree with if you ever get to the Thomas Sowell You're going to get to Thomas Sowell. I know. I keep <laughs> he don't, he don't must... agree with that kind of stuff. But it is a legacy of slavery. And the number of black people running for mayor is a legacy of slavery. Yeah. We still have to prove that we're just as good as everybody else. We still have to prove that, you know, some of us we have to still have to prove that while we're capable. It's, it's insanity. I know it's not like the, it's not going to be like the debacle of the, um, I like talking about the debacle of Sawyer and Evans. For you youngins who don't remember <laughs> Sawyer and Evans. And that was insanity. I remember being at the Bismarck uh, Theater, which is called, I think, the Cadillac Palace now, right? I should have wrote this stuff down. I should have had a, uh, like a, what do you call it, a journal? diary, but yeah, I was diary. standing right behind Tim Evans as he started to march through the aisle of the Bismarck Theater to go on stage doing the big brouhaha against Sawyer and Evans. It was, it was palpable. It was something to see back in the day. That whole era, that whole political era with Harold Washington and the death of Harold Washington was something to see. We'll never see, probably seen this town. So we, this is not Sawyer and Evans, but it's really despicable that five, I think seven black people as of right now some people are going to get kicked off the ballot. All right. And run it. Sad. It's really sad. All right. Well, I want to follow up because you said sad. Uh, and so I want you to explain that. Why do you think it's sad that seven black people uh, are running in a couple? Three of them, at least, I do not believe will make the ballot. But put put that aside. Well, that's, what, that's what I'm saying. I can see, uh, as of right now, I shouldn't say you shouldn't run if you're illegitimate. But Brandon Johnson is a legitimate candidate. Willie Wilson is a legitimate candidate. The rest of them, you, you run because you may win like Lori Lightfoot won. I just recently saw City So Real. Yeah, what's it, Mr. James? What's his name? James? Steve James. Steve James. Live somewhere out in Oak Park or something. So he did this, uh, uh, the, uh, the, and I went to the library. I don't have the big budget Ben Jarofsky has. So I used my tax dollars and go to the library and saw the uh, the video, City So Real. It was very good, da, 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 da. And reminds you of stuff that you forgot about even four years ago. So Lori Lightfoot didn't, I, I thought she she was the best candidate, but there's no way she was going to win. But, she, you know, the stars open up and the, and the stars align and the seas open up and she won. So you don't know who's going to win this time. But you will see right now it should be maybe Brandon Johnson, maybe Chewy, maybe Lori Lightfoot. If she if she gets into the runoff, I don't know. I, well, you know, that's why it's so, what I'm saying, it's so, it's, I love this stuff. It's so, it's fun. You have, in one respect, I don't like all the black candidates. That's sad. I think it should be like one or two, maybe. I get that. Just like, uh, I think, uh, what's the young man with the 15th war? He just, he just stepped down. What's his Rick, name, Lopez? Well, no, he, he's now running. He, he said he wasn't going to run for all of them. He said he was going to run for mayor. And then he flip-flopped yesterday and filed uh, his signatures to run for Alderman for re-election on the grounds that, uh, and his, his logic, uh, there were too many candidates in the race just making it easier for Lori Lightfoot uh, to win. And by that, he meant, and, and again, everybody, we have a runoff in Chicago. You got to learn that, Chicagoans. So they're all running, Mark, to be in the runoff. And so Raymond Lopez's uh, thought is that the mayor Lightfoot has a core of supporters. Uh, but maybe, let's say it's 20% of the population that will vote for her no matter what. Right. Uh, if there are more, if there are 10 viable candidates in the race, they will split up that 80% of outstanding vote uh, and Lori Lightfoot will get into the runoff and people will be fighting to run against Lori. 
And he thinks the fewer people in the race means a greater likelihood that Lori Lightfoot won't make the runoff, in which right. case she will be definitely defeated because you can't right. win unless you make the runoff. So that was his logic for right. dropping out of the race. So, okay, but he's going to run for 15 forward alderman. He's running for alderman. re-election as alderman. Yeah, I mean, so I wonder, did he make that decision or did uh, Alderman Burke make that decision <laughs> for him? And, and, oh, and, and you know, all this news, I, it's, you know this stuff, Grand Poobah, is Alderman Burke running for re-election? I, I imagine he is. Great question. I didn't see if he filed yesterday. Right, that's what I'm saying. All this, they know what I'm saying about the key is that here's a guy that really should have retired 10, 20 years ago. And, he, and his, ward, his ward is largely, I'm guessing, I don't know, that, I don't have the statistics in front of me. It's a largely Latino ward. And he keeps winning. And Ray Lempas didn't say anything until his first term. Now he got a backbone because Burke gave him one. I have nothing against Ray Lopez. He's like a really nice guy. Nothing. This is political talk. And, you know, he's like a nice person. I see him on Twitter all the time. But uh, what I'm saying, you know, neither here nor there. Hopefully that that when it's all said and done, the mayor candidates are going to have going to have a serious plan. I like Paul Vallis personally because he's been on my old TV show. He's been on my podcast. <laughs> I reached out to his people, but his people were like, who's Mark Sims with five people <laughs> listening? You know, yeah. he doesn't have the budget as Ben Jarofsky. But so the point is that uh, he may come, I'm sure he may not, because, you know, I directly contacted uh, uh, Paul Vallis directly. That's how I got him on the show. But, you know, when you get people on the show, big, big like him, you got to go through their people. Yeah. Who do you call those people? Gatekeepers, the gatekeepers, right? So you got to go to the gatekeepers. But I hope that all the candidates will have a serious, serious discussion about reducing crime. I like to statistic your buddy, um, uh, what's his name, from Craig. Man, you psychic or something? Damn, you yeah. good. I know, I'm good. The economy always says, like, he says, Chicago has not gone, hasn't had a crime rate lower than 400 people in a year yeah. since 1965. Now, the Chicago that existed in 1965 doesn't exist now. And so, and so, it, but the point is that that should be the thing. How do we get this down to like 100 murders, 50 murders at the most, maybe 150 murders, because somebody gonna kill somebody in a city like Chicago is a large town and a lot of poor people here and a lot of craziness, but, but that should be the goal. And I don't want to hear rhetoric and BS because you have to alter the system. Like Brandon Johnson is from the CTU. I know he's on the county board, but you know, he's backed by the CTU, former yeah. CTU school teacher, the whole nine. But they have to alter the way, you know who's going to be a statistically big data, you know who's going to be a criminal. A young man, I got to do some research, a young man was killed recently in walking distance of my home the other night. And so we have murders all around us. And how, and how does that happen? The murderer and the, and the murdered in this town, my neighborhood especially, they all went to the CPS. So how do you stop that? I'm a former high school dropout. I, I do have some experience about dropping out of school. You know what I'm saying? But the point is that that was a long time ago because the school, I mean, the world is a little bit different since 1976, okay? <laughs> or 1980, if you will. And so, but the point is that I don't see anybody, Brandon Johnson, he sounds great, but the rubber hits the road when you really win. Uh, I like Mayor Lightfoot only because you introduced me to Mayor Lightfoot and she was nice to me and she took a picture with me. So it's yeah. your fault, Ben. It's your fault why I'm supporting Lori Lightfoot. Oh, you are Mayor. supporting Lori Lightfoot. All right. Now, wait. Now, let me, I want to get on. back to something you, you began with. Uh, and then I'm going to trot my thoughts out and get your response. So you said uh, there's so many black people running uh, for Mayor of Chicago. And Chicago and the mentality of Chicagoans is so lodged in the past 
And I, I'm not from Chicago, but I'm as guilty uh, as Chicagoans in this way. I live in that city, become like the people in Chicago. So Chicagoans are lodged in the past. Something happened once in the past. And so you think that's the way it'll be forever, even though the evidence is that things have changed. Now, follow me on this. So the overriding uh, view of Chicagoans, and I hear it all the time. I read it in the newspaper, all the experts, they talk about the black vote. You can't have too many black candidates because all the black people will uh, vote. Their, their loyalties and allegiance will be divided as though black people never vote for white candidates. That's like this Chicago, well, they'll just vote for the black guy. Even though our entire history of the city has demonstrated that's not the case. Mayor Daley got the majority of the black vote, you know, in the O's, definitely. There'll be black people running against them. But still, that mentality, they'll vote for the black guy. And then it's reversed, too. It's like, well, white people will vote for the white guy. Even though, hello, ever heard of Barack Obama? Hello, ever heard of Tony Preckwinkle? Hello, ever heard of Lori Lightfoot? These are black candidates that white people supported. It's across the board. In fact, you now have MAGA running black guys. In, in Georgia, all the white MAGA people are going to be voting for Herschel Walker. And guess what? They voted for Herschel Walker in the primary uh, when it was other white MAGA candidates. But we lived lodged in the past, Mark. Now, we could have uh, a conversation as to why MAGA white people are voting for Herschel Walker, okay? Or why uh, white people in Chicago voted for Tony Preckwinkle, even though there was one white candidate in a race with three black people for county board president in 2010. But the fact is, white people will vote for black people and black people will vote for white people. And yet, in Chicago, our mentality is so, to quote the greatest mayor we ever had, antediluvian, we are so lodged in the past, we cannot break free of this conventional way of thinking. It, it is just astounding. And it's probably why we just keep making the same old mistakes year after year after year, Mark Sims because we're just lodged in the past. We never want to learn, even if the evidence is right in front of us. Peter Cunningham comes on this show and talks, Mark, about crime rates and how police tactics don't work. We should rethink it. Keep every candidate. I'm going to hire more cops. I'm going to be tough on crime. We never learn from the past, Mark. We just want to keep repeating it. All right. I've now ended that riff. Your thoughts. Amen. Amen. You should know this. You know everything about politics. Uh, was it Bill Thompson was the mayor of Chicago before Mayor Daley? No. The, the mayor before Mayor Daley was uh, Martin Kennelly. Man, I, should, William, man, I should know Big, that. Big, Big, Big Thompson was in the 20s. Okay. He was before Ed Kelly. God, I can't. No, no it was, was oh, it was Ed Kelly, not the one that was in charge of the uh, Park That's District correct. back in the yeah, day. Different, different yeah. Ed Kelly. Yeah, yeah. And so, what's the guy named Canelli was mayor? Yes, from. Uh, so, ain't too many. It's not too many people that remembers. Uh, what's the name? Canelli, Mayor Canelli, yeah. in this town. It's probably one or two, maybe, <laughs> maybe. But a lot of people remember the old man Daly because he was mayor when I was a kid. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I remember the old man, right? He, met, he, he died when I was a freshman in high school in 76. And so, but there are people who don't remember Harold Washington. They were too small. They were too young or not born yet. So that's why a lot of people don't vote because it's like, what, what are we doing here? For what? Because if Brandon Johnson becomes mayor, is my life really going to change in Chicago? If uh, Chewy uh, Garcia becomes mayor, is my life really going to change in Chicago? So I understand why people don't vote. 
I just want to have a really good discussion about really changing things. Like, I would, uh, I, is Chicago really, really ready for ready for reform? If they ready for reform, I'm not saying uh, what you call it, uh, term limits is, is the end all be all, but I would like to everybody to say, listen, we got to have term limits in this town. So we know that if Mayor Lori Lightfoot or the next mayor in the future, they only gonna be there two terms. I think Sylvester Turner and Los and no, I'm sorry, Los Angeles and Houston, I think their term limit the term limits there in Houston. Because they had a female mayor before him, which was well, I think she was a lesbian. Not that it matters. I don't care about people's sexuality. For for political terms, I think she's a lesbian, but no one knows who she is. No one no, most I think most Americans don't even know. Uh, uh, who Sylvester Turney is, you know what I'm saying? Which is sad. So we, well, I'm saying we should have a, bro a robust discussion about is Chicago really, really ready to reform? No, Chicago be doesn't want reform. It's Ooh. reform. First, the word reform is so abused and misused I in know, Chicago and Illinois. It's I, a joke. It's just a word people use to denigrate their opposition. So they talk about police reform. They're denigrating the, the police the way we do police right now. You talk about, uh, they talk about political reform, getting ready of gerrymandering. It's like you're just, you're just denigrating the Democrats who gerrymandered you. So it, it's just a, a meaningless uh, phrase uh, in Chicago. But so, all right, so I'm going to, I just want, want you to concentrate on the point I made. Do you think it's really, be, we've moved beyond the, uh, no, it all, it all depends. It all depends. I mean, like Karen Bass, I mean, L.A. may have what, 20, 25 percent African-American population or something there or voting population in the Los Angeles. Right. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I don't I don't I didn't do the research. I don't know how that happened. It all depends. It all depends on the situation. Well, it's, why do you think MAGA chose Herschel Walker? A black no, I don't man. know who I don't know who he ran against. I don't know who, who he ran against. It's just like if you go back, you know, this better than I do. I forgot the two European American guys that was running for office. I used to know this stuff. As I get older, I don't not like you repeat this stuff so I can remember. Carolyn mostly brawn because she won mainly because the two white guys split the vote up. Who were those European American guys that that Carol mostly brawn split the vote and she became senator in this state? You know well, what I'm the, saying? Yeah, the incumbent Alan Dixon. Uh and then who was the other guy? It was It was uh, some rich guy. Yeah. <laughs> He was some rich guy. Uh, yeah. It wasn't uh, Blair Hull or something like that, but it was some other dude. But when I'm saying yeah. uh, uh, these things happen, it's just when I, when somebody wins, I like to know how do they do this? Like Mayor Duggan, I think it's Duggan in Detroit. He's been mayor at least two terms in Detroit. Detroit is like a largely like 60%, 70% African-American town. But even the black folks in Detroit evidently got tired of black mayors. You know what I'm saying? They like, we had enough of this. So I think Dugan or Duggan, I think his name, he's been mayor for two terms. So it, it all depends on the situation because the the uh, the black stuff, or I'm going to vote for the Mexican, I'm going to vote. I mean, it only goes so far. When I go vote, I look for black names. There are black people with Irish names, and I have a slave named Sims. I don't know where that name came from. And, but the, you know what I'm saying? So you say like Mark Sims, you're like, well, he ain't Mexican. He don't sound Chinese. Uh, maybe a brother. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? But you're going to do that. You're going to go after your own. You're going to vote for your own ethnic race, Wait, your own tribe. It, you voted uh, Albert Holfield. Al Holfield was the guy. You good. Uh, Damn, you yeah. good. Yeah. Al Holfield. Al Holfield. Uh, he was uh, a lawyer. Yeah, he ran. It was uh, Alan Dixon. All right. You voted for Daly. I used to have arguments. Wait, 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 wait. No, I never voted for Daly. Let me say this. I never voted for Daly. There was something about Daly I did not like. 
The day they did not get the black vote, as I remember in the first election, but he won the lion's share of all the black wars hence after that. And they had a bunch of black folks ran. I know people say like uh, Bobby Rush was a joke, it was all a plant and all that kind of stuff. You hear these things. So it all depends on, and remember, for, for, and you know this better than I do, Harold Washington, I don't know actually, maybe it was 77. I don't mean that the date's wrong. He ran for mayor and didn't get hardly any votes. People have to remember this stuff when they talk about, oh, Harold Washington, he's a, no, he did, he ran for mayor and did not, he got, I don't know, he got, I don't know, 20% of the black vote or whatever. Yeah. No one ever heard, I mean, didn't care, he got no votes. People have to understand these things are really complex. They're not easy. That's why people don't vote. One reason why they don't vote, because it's complicated. I think right now, I think Chuy Garcia logically should be in the runoff, or let's say the top three. Brandon Johnson, with his organizing, he could, he should, but he would have to take some of Willie Wilson's. But not really, you know. It's like the last election. I'm sorry, you cut me off on this. We can talk about other things later, but cut me off. Like we can talk about this forever. We do this on the phone, people. <laughs> We're not doing the show. Uh, so real was good because I forgot. Amara Inga got so much percentage of votes. She got like 89%, and Willie Wilson got like 10%. And if you took their 19% or something, Lori wouldn't have won or something. I mean, people got to say sometimes it's not good to have all these black folks, all these, that's right. You have, you have like right now, you have no Latina. I'm saying that right, people? Latina running for mayor, which I'm shocked. You have a Latino mayor. I mean, I mean, Trudy Garcia is running for mayor, but no Latina. Yeah. So evidently See. somebody in that community is saying, you know what, well, we can't have like five Mexicans, five Mexicans running. We ain't doing that. Wait, so black folks, black folks are crazy. Statement. Just go what? back to your last statement, and this yeah. is, the, and and that's a very Chicago attitude that you have. But I sh I shouldn't hate on you because you are from Chicago, so you Man, said from Chicago uh, too. <laughs> Willie Wilson, I know I'm not from. Don't you are from that. Chicago. You weren't born and raised like me. I'm born and raised. I'm, a, I'm an implant. That's right. Uh, like, so most people, like most people in this town are. Keep going. All right. So just listen. So that, but that what you said is just let's just go back to that because that get, that's the thinking. Amara Anya was uh, a leftist, okay, and she ran. Willie Wilson is a Trump supporter. He ran. All right. So there's a uh, hear an echo going on. I hope this is not everybody else can hear the echo. Oh, there we go. The echo's gone. So Amara Anya uh, ran. She's a leftist, basically. Willie Wilson ran. He's basically a Trump supporter. So you say, well, that's 19% of the vote if you add them together. Uh, and it would have gone to somebody else if they hadn't run. Who would it have gone to? Think about who's in that right. What, is it going to go to Bill Daly? He was the guy who came in third. The runoff was between Tony Preckwinkle and Lori Lightfoot. Would it have gone to Tony Preckwinkle, putting her over 50%? No. So the reality is, is that nothing really changed because Amara Enya and Willie Wilson were in the race other than Chicago got a greater variety of, of ideologies and personalities to vote for. But Preckwick probably would have won that race if they, if they weren't running, Preckwick would have probably won. I don't know. Night, she got Tony Perkwick, I think, got 14 percent of the vote or something like that. I forget. I have to look it up. But if you add the 19 percent to whatever she got, it's not 50 percent. No, but she no. I, well, I know. I know. Just you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So you're so is, smart. Yeah. <laughs> That's how you I, know. I, I, I do like to point out that I took freshman algebra at Evanston High School and I got a C. I just want people to know that I'm no dummy. OK, I got a C. All right. Well, I failed pre-algebra and went on to <laughs> drop out of high school. Pre-algebra sucked. Couldn't get it. Uh, yeah, I do. I, I high school. 
If I had known you back then, I would have carried you over to finish line. Two of us would have been like. All right, but that that that's just that's what that's I'm going to be in a campaign for the next for the remainder of my life to try to get Chicagoans to just have just a different view about their city. And one of the views I would have them just address as as wretched as we are when it comes to race relations, as segregated as we are as a community in the city of Chicago, uh, as unlikely it is that black people, and white people ever have any encounters other than maybe on the train. We are better in terms of voting than like in 1983. I just think that's look at well, this. So like a true, I'm sorry, cutting you off. A true, he wins the runoff, and we'll see how many votes he gets from the uh, African American community. Because he could, like I said, I said it before in the show, he could have won if he said, uh, "You know, I know y'all like the Jewish mayor, but I'm gonna I'm gonna cut you black folks in on some of these goodies, some of these contracts if you vote for me, the Mexican mayor." He yeah. would have won. Period. I don't think so. I think Barack Obama's endorsement more than anything else uh, carried uh, Rahm Emanuel over the finish line in 2015. In fact, it all depends on who you listen to. So I was reading an analysis in the, I think it was Cranes or the Chicago Sun-Times, really what's the difference, about the 2015 mayoral race. And they talked about how Chewy didn't have a plan, a fiscal financial plan for the city of Chicago. And I'm laughing. Because Rom didn't have a plan either. It's all the same plan. Punt, 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 and hope that the economy turns around and then brings in more taxes. That's their plan. That's all their plan. Rom didn't have a better plan than Chewy, but that's the business community, the corporate Chicago's view. Right. Chewy right. didn't have a plan. And so in that worldview, right. Chicagoans are a bunch of sophisticated, fiduciarily smart people who are analyzing very carefully the plans of these mayors. <laughs> What was Rom's plan? He had no plan. Chicago, wake up. So I believe it was uh, Barack Obama's endorsement that carried Rahm Emanuel uh, yeah. over the finish line. And I will always believe that. Uh, all right. Uh, let's move on from Chicago mayor. We have other things we got to uh, talk about. I guess we have to talk about uh, uh, Elon Musk and Twitter. And this was a kind of interesting twist and turn. We're following it very closely on this show. Uh, Elon Musk. Uh, purchase paid way too much money for Twitter. Uh, it's not worth all the money he paid, I think 44 million, whatever it is, billion, excuse me, they paid for it. Uh, to pay back the loan, he has to fire people uh, and uh, try to find a way to get people to pay for a product they've been using for free. Advertisers are fleeing uh, because they don't want to be associated with uh a website that just allows Nazis and racists just to post whatever they want. Uh, but he, meanwhile, he is encouraging Nazis and racists to come on. Very bizarre business model, uh, model to put at least. In desperation, he opened things up to Donald Trump uh, and Kanye West. Yay, West. He said, welcome back. Yay went back, wrote Shalom, his way of getting the middle finger to all Jewish people. Uh, and uh, he's really lost his mind. And... Um, uh, Donald Trump, so far, as far as I could tell, uh, unless there's, this story is broken uh, while I've been on the air, I'll look at it and see, didn't, has not come back, uh, Mark. And I have a theory about this, and then I'll turn it over to your theory. Uh, Donald Trump doesn't want to be second fiddle to Elon Musk. Well, he doesn't look like he has to owe Elon Musk. He wants Elon Musk to beg him to come back. If you follow what I'm saying, I'm not coming back just because you want. I'm bigger than Twitter. I'm Donald Trump. That is my theory as to why Donald Trump uh, did not come back uh, to Twitter. Your thoughts on all these things 
Mark Sims. Yeah, I'll be brief as possible on Twitter. I'm addicted to the damn Twitter because I'm a loner in the basement of my house. So I got to reach out to the world via Twitter. <laughs> I got some real problems, man. But, the, but I don't spend too much time on Twitter. The story for Twitter is like, for me, it's like, you know how you, you watch the TV news? They like to talk about the political context. They like to talk about politics as a horse race. You heard that term before, right? Mm -hmm. So I don't really care about Twitter's going to go bro broke and Elon Musk is going to lose $50 billion. That for me, that's not the issue. The issue for me is that, and it goes back, goes to Dave Chappelle, uh, Mr. Kanye West. What's his name? Yay now? Yay. Yes. Is that we don't like, in this country, we don't have really serious discussions about free speech about what is bigot, what is racist, what's the line that you cross and can't cross. It's like, if I, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure glad to have you as a friend, Ben, because when I think about saying something about the Jewish people, I'm like, oh no, I got to run it past Ben. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because I don't want to say something stupid. You know, we were, I was, I was testing some jokes out for you earlier. And you said, no, Mark, don't tell those jokes. <laughs> and that's what Kanye should have done. You know what I'm saying? So Twitter is, Twitter is a great utility and, and that's how I see his utility. So let's not focus on Musk. If it goes kabooey and goes down the drain, he loses $100 billion, something will fill that void. It may take a while, but something else will fill that void. So let's not talk about Twitter. I like to talk about, uh, you know, what does that mean having Ye coming back? Because when I go to Twitter, I don't see the crazy stuff. I really don't. If there's an algorithm, so the stuff I like, I see the stuff I like. I don't see the crazy stuff. I mean, uh, when Musk came back, I did see uh, O.J. Simpson. That was kind of, no. <laughs> O.J. was back. <laughs> I, mean, was, I don't think they ever kicked O.J. off. Well, I got, right? I, but I'm saying the, the algorithm has changed a little bit since uh, mm -hmm. Musk has came back. I don't see the craziness, but I do see people like um, uh, O.J. Simpson that I didn't see before. So it, it is a great utility, especially for news junkies. I mean, you don't have to spend an hour doing it like me sometimes. I'm wasting my life away on Twitter. But it's a great utility because there's a lot of articles yeah. I, can't, I won't see on Facebook or Instagram or whatever, but I'll see on Twitter. So it's a lot of stuff I just would not see because I don't get the newspaper to my house like Ben Jarofsky. So it's a lot of stuff I just would not see if I didn't go on Twitter. Well, news. I, I hear that defense uh, for Twitter from a lot of people. Right. Uh, and um, I think that people who use Twitter are going through uh, like they're having guilt pangs. I'm trying this theory out on you, Mark. First time I've ever uh, exposed this theory to the world. So I may end up uh, disagreeing with what I'm about to say by the time I finish saying it. We'll see. Uh, but I think a lot of people, I've been reading comments, pe people like they're a little defensive about why they're on Twitter. And they always explain, well, you know, I'm not one of the knuckleheads uh, uh, spreading hate, okay, uh, and division. I'm the one who used Twitter to read, to keep up what's on the news. And I have a viable reason for Twitter. I remember this argument. I remember people to, like when early days when I first was coming face to face with Twitter, it was like 40, it was 40 characters at the time. I'm like, what? Why would anybody want to limit themselves to 40 characters? That seems ridiculous. And then uh, a lot of Gen Xers at the time, Gen Xers were the one, they would make fun of me. You know, because they were like really into Twitter and they would say, well, there was just a, re a revolution in Egypt and, and it was because of Twitter. So, Ben, you're out of touch. And then, of course, Twitter led uh, that revolution has died and Twitter in this country led to Donald Trump. So I don't hear too much from them. But I think it's like people are embarrassed to be associated with Twitter. And yet 
they enjoy it and they love their little world. As you said, if you, you can carve out your own little universe on Twitter where people feed you articles that you agree with or uh, wisecracks that you agree with and you feel good about yourself, you don't think about the total universe of hate and pollution and toxicity that is emanating in the world. And so I've, I've heard a lot of people uh, defending uh, Twitter in this regard. And my comeback is, you know, guys, if you just – Subscribe to, let's say, the New York Times or the Washington Post uh, or CNN. You'll get all the news. You'll no, no. That's a lot of stuff you're just not going to get in the major media, man. You know that. It's a name, lot of stuff you see. One story that that you got for Twitter that you cannot, you wouldn't, if you just relied on. Well, mean, right now, the big thing I like, one of the I like to look at is it's, uh, it's a lady named Emily Hanford. I had on my show years ago, whatever. And she, wrote, she writes this stuff about the science of reading and reading and dyslexia and stuff. And if I didn't have her feed, I would miss a lot of stuff. I mean, I, life will go on. I'll adjust if I didn't have Twitter. I get it. But it's a lot of stuff I just don't see. There's another lady I interviewed years ago, uh, and Natalie Wexler. Natalie Wexler uh, works for, I think, she writes for uh, Forbes and stuff. So I don't read Forbes, but I see Natalie Wexler. Or even like, what's the guy I had on, Ben? You know, you know stuff better. I do. Uh, I had this book right. Oh, the book is right here. No, the book is over there. Okay. Uh, Bro, Richard, you know, Richard V. Reeves. Richard V. Reeves. Oh, man, yeah, yeah, that was a great get. Yeah. Yeah, Richard, v, Richard V. Reeves is from the Brookings Institution. Yeah. So I do this all the time on Twitter. I send a message out. It'd be great to have you on the show, something like that. And he said, cool. And he came on the show. So without Twitter, I would not have a, it's a few people I've had on the show. Without Twitter, I would not have had him on the show because when I go directly to a person like from the Brookings Institution, you got to go through the, um, uh, the gatekeepers and they were like, Mark Sam Southside? Hell no, he can't. No. <laughs> and so, you know, so it, so you, it, there's some value in Twitter. It really is. But the point is that it'll never be as big as TikTok because TikTok is, I mean, you ever see TikTok videos? They ain't really good. I don't have TikTok. I just see it off of Facebook. The TikTok videos come on Facebook and I see them and they're really good. You know, they make funny people like you and me, by the way. I just saw somebody making, I forget where I saw it. It could have been on Instagram. Mm -hmm. They make fun of people like you and me. We don't subscribe to TikTok. We're, we're too old. We're not part of the TikTok universe. Right. Uh, but when TikTok drops, like a week later on Instagram or Facebook. Oh, that TikTok's great, man. <laughs> oh TikTok is great. But it's just, hey, listen, people talk about Twitter. The chat, and I, like, I, it was cracking about Twitter. People go on Twitter saying, I'm leaving. Goodbye, people. I'm like, just leave. Don't say goodbye on Twitter. Just freaking leave. If you don't like Twitter, you're saying goodbye on Twitter because you don't like Twitter. Just leave. We won't miss you. Beat it. <laughs> Where was I about Twitter? But, I don't so, know, but it was a great rev. <laughs> no, but it's, just, it's, it's sickening. So I'm saying, so I tell people that I'm going to leave Twitter. So I show a picture of the Chinese president, I can't say his name, and a picture of him waving, and he, and it says, uh, I put down, Twitter welcomes you. So if you leave Elon Musk, is so bad, then you go over to the Chinese government for your TikTok. So what's worse, Elon Musk or the Chinese government? Uh, well, that's presuming that the Chinese government controls TikTok, which I don't believe a subject wait, for. Wait, wait, China. Wait, wait, you know this, but in China, in China, they don't let their children because it's a you know authoritarian state. They don't let their children in China watch TikTok all day. They limit it some kind of way. I don't know how they do it. So it's 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 uh, I mean, it's all good if you just you know do it a little bit, right? By the way, this is breaking news on the New York Times, proving my point that you can learn about what's going on in the world without having uh, Twitter or TikTok or Instagram. Uh, and uh, 
just turn it down, Mark, because I'm getting the echo again. Uh, yeah. It, but here's the headline. Supreme Court permits House Democrats to obtain Trump's tax returns. This just broke. Uh, and I know a lot of you go, oh, you'll be talking about that with Monroe uh, tomorrow, Wednesday. Monroe will not be here. Uh, he, too, is in California, but he is on a vacation. He goes, Ben, I'm too busy. Uh, I'm not going to come on the show tomorrow. But next week, I know we'll be talking about that. So the House Democrats will obtain Trump's tax returns right about the time the Republicans take over the House. <laughs> so the, you watch the Republicans taking over the House. They all go, we're all about getting out the facts and all the uh, breaking into the secret government files and the uh, the secret state and all that uh, dark state. Well, I'm, I'm sure they're going to do what they can to block the world from seeing Donald Trump's taxes. Anyway, that story uh, is breaking. All right. Uh, I've been promising to have a Thomas Toll Sowell discussion for the longest time. David Seaton uh, urged me to read a book. Thomas Sowell is a conservative thinker, been around for a long, long time. Uh, he's with, I believe, the Hoover Institute. Uh, and uh, he is a black man. Uh, and as such, he's like a, uh, how do I put this? He gives a, uh, a very impassioned, uh, but factually supported backing or endorsement for many of the most conservative viewpoints of the Republican Party uh, over the last 40 years. And that includes like the Reagan years and the impact of welfare uh, on the black community. Uh, and uh, he goes beyond just the black community. His essay, I thought was brilliant about uh, Jewish Americans as the middleman minority. So I, I actually, even though we're ideologically apart on a lot of issues, Mark Sims uh, have come to really respect Thomas Sowell. Now, uh, so I had the conversation. David made me read the book or, or asked me to read the book, which I did, uh, Black Rednecks and White Liberals. Uh, and then we ran out of time to talk about it. I talked about some of the ideas briefly uh, with Alden Lowry, another great thinker uh, who was on the show last week as well. Uh, but I want to get your thoughts. Uh, we'll talk about Souls, the argument he advances uh, in uh, Black uh, Rednecks, White Liberals. And that is this. Uh, that an insistence that uh, black people have suffered because of slavery, because of the legacy of slavery, uh, is keeping black people back. And if they broke free of that and stopped making excuses for where they are and just embraced the freedoms that exist in America, uh, they would uh, be, a, as a group, achieving more. I strongly disagree with so much of what's embedded in there, uh, but I'd like to hear your thoughts on it, your thoughts on that general theme uh, that uh, Thomas Sowell put. I know you 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 follow Sowell, so you. you no, I don't really. Follow. You can hear me, being. Yes. I okay. Because I put these headphones on. Yeah. The uh, uh, I don't follow Thomas Sowell. I, I've seen him on TV over years. I think he went got his undergrad. I think at the, at the University of Chicago. Don't quote me on that. He's born in 1930, so he's 92 years old now. He's been around a long time, and the conservatives like him make good political social arguments until they tell you or suggest that you should vote for the Republican Party. And that's my problem with a lot of conservatives because they, 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 talk, they, they say all the right things. You can't really argue with, with uh, Thomas Sowell on some of the stuff, but the legacy of slavery is real. You know, this is my pet peeve. And I was talking about how all these black people are running for mayor, seven against, I think seven people running against Lloyd Lightfoot. That means eight African-Americans running for mayor. That is a legacy of slavery. And also the, the shootings in Chicago, the black folks killing each other, that's, a, that's partially, I'm sorry, a legacy of slavery. 
I have a lot of self-hate for my people. I ain't gonna lie to you, because my because that is a legacy of slavery and a legacy of being in this country, being brainwashed by the me media on just the images you see on TV and the movies and everything. And so the legacy of slavery is, is real. Remember, my name is Sims. What did I get that name from? How did that come about? I don't even know my parents were African-American, grandparents are African-American, so I don't know anything about great-grandparents or great-great-grandparents. I don't know where the, where the white bloodline came in. We are a weird people, so you cannot dismiss the legacy of slavery. We, uh, that's why I was talking about us, all the people running for mayor, because we have this disunity because they, they, they um, you know, house Negroes, field Negroes, everybody know this story. So they divided and conquered us on the plantation. We used to have plantation politics in this town, which I really can't explain, but you get the gist. Plantation and politics. So we've always been divided and conquered. In fact, all peoples are divided and conquered on some level. And so the legacy of slavery is real. But they used to talk to a Thomas, Thomas Sowell or what's a guy named Darren Bailey. So how are you going to fix that? What are the policies prescriptions that the Republican Party are going to enact that's going to help low-income Black folks? Because we live in a capitalist society, and there's going to be poor people. So the question is, how, what type of lives they're going to have being poor? I'm in the hood, as they used to call it. It wasn't the hood when I grew up here. It's the hood now. So the point is that and I don't plan on leaving. The only thing that make me go, of course, is crime. But the main thing is like, uh, can we? Can, how can we live in this low income and make this low income neighborhood crime where people are murdered? At least one or two black people are murdered in this town every day. Some in this very neighborhood I live in. Every once in a while it happens. And uh, how do we do that? Because you're going to have poor. So how do you do that? Because we do need health care. Like I think we should have universal health care in this country. But I don't think you should be running to the doctor's office because your your stomach hurt. You know, when I was a kid, you get some, uh, some, some uh, what's it, ginger ale? What's the other stuff? You know, baking soda for that yeah. stomachache. You don't run to the damn doctor. I saw that on a job I had recently. It was a young lady, and she went to the damn Mercy Hospital. I shouldn't say damn, but Mercy Hospital because her stomach hurt. Because she's poor. She can get away with that. I, I, I'd be like, I get a stomachache. I don't want to pay the damn copay at the, at the you know, doctor's office or whatever. <laughs> so I'm like, I just deal with my stomach ache, right? Whatever it is, right? So that's how that's the kind of discussion we're going to, we should have. We should have universal health care, but it should be tied to wellness and we shouldn't be allowed to run to the damn doctor because your finger hurt or whatever, right? That kind of stuff. But the Republicans don't want to have that type of have, have that type of discussion. And Thomas Sowell, I don't think want to have that type of discussion. And, and that's because we gotta meet, we gotta meet each other in the middle. We gotta, or 50, 60, 40, or 70, 30, we gotta cut the deal. That's why so tasteful. You can't say certain things. You don't want to have a broader conversation. That's why I was, you know, I could talk about Dave Chappelle. Ever. I'll stop there. Dave Chappelle is the man right now. <laughs> All right. We'll, uh, we'll close with Dave Chappelle. Uh, and I, I just, that it was a riff. I was really impressed with that riff that you just went on. Uh, I disagree with like two points you made. And you talking about people going to the hospital or emergency room with a stomach ache reminds me of uh, Gen Xers talking about and i know you, you won't get this because you're not a sports fan uh basketball players in the 90s compared to basketball players uh, today basketball players i've heard this so many times from gen xers they were such a tougher game they didn't complain you know they didn't complain about fouls lebron's always complaining about fouls now you push a guy he starts crying and man steph curry couldn't existed in the bas in the 90s i'm like this greatest shooter ever lived stop saying that so I, I feel as though if you have a stomach, you may have a serious problem. You know, it's like, oh, it's just a tummy ache. 
man it up. <laughs> the person dies of stomach cancer. So I'm just saying, Mark. Yeah, but you, you, you shouldn't go to the emergency room. Let's say that. I'll meet you halfway. Oh, I spent way too many times in emergency rooms that I care to talk about on this show, but we'll leave, we'll, we'll hold off on that for another day. Yeah, uh, Dave Chappelle, I talked about him with uh, Ramana Hussein. I hope uh, everybody checks out that interview. Uh, I, I thought Dave Chappelle's monologue on Saturday Night Live was funny. I've watched it twice. I read it. I, there's a transcript I have. I read it. Uh, and uh, there, I have quibbles. That's how I always do it with uh, Dave Chappelle. I, I actually thought I had more problems with his trans jokes because I do believe uh, that Dave Chappelle was just being mean with that stuff and just enjoying uh, being mean, enjoying the power he had uh, at the microphone. Uh, in this one, I feel like he was speaking more, more or less truthfully from his heart, uh, and there's some pain there, obviously. Uh, as a uh, a black man, a comedian in Hollywood, it's like there's Jewish people all around him. He's like, how could you say we're exaggerating uh, when there's Jews, so many Jewish people in this industry? And then he had that line, uh, Mark Sims, where he goes, that's like saying uh, there's most of Ferguson is black, but it's like saying black people run Ferguson, Missouri. And I was like, that's the, that's the line right there, you know? It's like Jewish people have gravitated toward Hollywood. Why is that? Does that mean they run it? And what do you mean they run it? You know, it's like I used to deal with this in the 80s, Mark. I know I told you this. I came to Chicago. I, like all of a sudden, black nationalists are telling me about the Jews who run things. I'm like, what, what are you talking about? <laughs> I've been around Jewish people my whole life. Well, at least since I moved to Evanston. Nobody runs anything. You can't even get like two Jewish people to agree on something. It's like, wh who are these Jewish people that run everything? No, oh, Ben, you don't understand. <laughs> I'm like, you know, what? you know what I understand? You're insane. That's what I understand. <laughs> I'm reading a book about the Jews right now. The Jew, the, I should say, you told me don't say Jews. You say you know, the Jewish people. And that's the other thing. Look at it. Dave Chappelle, there's two words you can't say in consecutive order. The Jews. You can't say the blacks. Who's going to say the, I mean, it's like, why do you want to say that? Anyway, why, why, why do you want to say that? You know what I'm saying? For all you Chicagoans that have been around, Neil Gabler wrote a book years ago called An Empire of Their Own. How the Jews invented Hollywood. Yes. And then remember, he's from, I think he went to Lane Tech. I was looking at Wikipedia. He went to Lane Tech and did very well in Lane Tech, right? Now, I saw him on uh, PBS a few years ago. He, he was, his house in the Hamptons was, was deteriorating. It was almost a P PBS news out. Now, the other book I have, I know I have it somewhere in the house, Ben, I don't, in my archive somewhere. It's called the, the what do you call it? The, the, the Protocols of the Elders of Zion. Oh, you that right? Want to have that oh, yeah. I, somebody gave me that book like 30-something years ago. And they're like, yeah, you got to read this about the Jews and the Goyim. I didn't know what a Goyim was, right? I got the Elders of, of Zion. I'm showing you the book for people at home. This is the Jewish phenomenon. I was When I did Uber, see, I had a Jewish guy. I don't know how we get stuck talking. I didn't know how he was Jewish. I didn't know he was Jewish, whatever. But the point is that I told him about this book. I read like 20 years ago, whatever. Uh, I got it from the library the other day. The, uh, the Jewish phenomenon, but it's a really good book of how the, why the Jews are so successful. And he said, oh, this is some bad Jewish, it's not a bad, it's not about bad Jews or something. It's, it's a good book. We all can, especially African-Americans, we can learn a lot 
from a, and other ethnic groups can learn a lot about from this book, The Jewish Phenomenon. I can't say the guy's name, Steven Sliberger or something. He's still living. I see him on whatever. And so well, he's not that old. But what I'm saying, I got some, it was another Jewish book. I forgot. I can't think. Oh, I heard about the International Jew by Henry Ford or something. Oh, it's all, so that's how that stuff happens. Because yeah. And then I'm not a religious person, but as a kid, I heard that stuff about, you know, the Jews killed Jesus. Okay. All right. I thought the Romans okay. did. Get your story well, straight. You, you, that's what I'm saying. I heard. I'm saying. You, you see how this, you see why how it gets out of hand. Yeah. No. I know. That's why I, I, I understand. What, what's uh, Ari Emanuel, Ron's brother, right out in Hollywood? Where you at? Maybe you gonna go see Ron's brother while you out there? <laughs> I don't think so. Okay. Y'all don't know. Y'all don't. All, I thought Hold all y'all knew each outside. I thought all of y'all knew each other. I'm sorry. I thought all of y'all knew each other. And so yeah, the point is that we're both Jewish. We must know each other. You must know each other. You, you know, know it's like, <laughs> you got it. Don't you know every Jew in the right. You know, are you right? But I, I, I don't, I, I understand why, why he did what he did because what, what Ye was saying stuff about the Jews. I don't really, I'm too old for that. I used to hear that stuff when I was a kid with some of the black nationalists on the radio or some, went to some meetings and whatnot, organizing, whatever. And back in the day. He had to like, I don't want to say shut down Kanye, whatever term you want to use, because of Kanye, he starts saying the Jews are the Jews. It can get out of hand real quick. I saw some, everybody knows the history of Jewish people. They've been persecuted forever, right? And um, so you can't let people just start saying the Jews or whatever. You can't, you got to cut, you got to chop that down because it gets out of hand because the mind can believe whatever you want to believe. And then when you're doing poorly, I, I'm not, I'm not financially all the, I got my stuff together. It's easy to blame somebody else for my economic social conditions, blame somebody else. It's really easy to do that. Real easy. So I understand what uh, Ari Emanuel did. He had to shut Kanye down. And, and but what, all the things I said, because <laughs> no offense, people, you got to go, you got to watch. You go watch SNL, just type in Dave Chappelle monologue SNL. Because I was going to read the statement that uh, oh, Dave Chappelle read. Statement. I forgot yeah. to bring it to me to the show. But the point is that he was brilliant. Now, Eric Duggins, I'm going far afield here. Eric Duggins from NPR. I know you love NPR. Uh, only by uh, NPR's audience, only I think about three percent of Black people, African Americans, listen to NPR. But Eric Duggan's a media critic. He's very good. But he didn't like. He critiqued. He didn't like. Uh, he didn't like uh, Dave Chappelle's uh, monologue. And they, but to his credit, he wrote an article. I just saw it a minute ago. I, I, I'll read it later. Uh, here, and this is not audio. So I got to read this article. I listen to stuff, but I have to read this one. And so but he said he he took. He talked about the criticism he got. You know, you ain't black enough, you ain't a real brother, that kind of stuff, right? Because yeah. I was very disappointed. I thought Dave Chappelle was brilliant because he said things you, you really can't say in a normal setting. Since he's a comedian, social commentator, he could say stuff and make it kind of funny. Oh, it was really funny. And and then, but but no one's going to have a conversation behind that because it's hard to have it. Because when you read, when you, when you you get you misinterpret things. You do know the Jewish people uh, in you know a lot of businesses like Hollywood or whatever. And I used to watch TV shows and look at all the Jewish names on the credits and whatnot. Like wow. Or my favorite. It's not a bad thing. This is a good thing. I have no problem with the Jewish people and, and Ben or Ben Jarofsky. I I was watching um, what's his name um, the guy uh, Seinfeld's buddy. What's his name? Come on, Larry David. The Jewish guy, Larry David. <laughs> I'm Jewish. I forgot <laughs> Seinfeld. Uh, so he, so Larry David. I like, I had seen the show just a few times because I don't have a cable. 
But I used to love watching it because these all these Jews from way back in the he had all these Jews in the, on the show. I used to love it. Well, that, these... that show embraces Larry yes. David. It, it embraces yes. uh, just being Jewish in a larger Gentile society. And then when he gets together with his Jewish friends over lunch with the, uh, what's his, Richard Lewis. Yeah. Uh, and then Einstein would be there uh, and Jeff Garland and they would be talking. Uh, and it, I mean, I've heard conversations like that so many times in my life. It's very funny, but it's all about, it's a, they're not running anything. Right. I mean, he's wealthy. He's got a show. He's got, right. He's no more powerful than Dave Chappelle. J Dave Chappelle, do you, do you follow what I'm saying? And the Neil Gabler book that you referenced is a very, I, I urge anybody to check it out of the library. Go read it. Right, right. He's not using that book the way Henry Ford used no. his propaganda to stir hate against Jewish people, to align himself with Nazis. He's trying to explain, like a sociological phenomenon, why did Jewish people go to California and get in the film industry? And it's very brilliant. And so, like, you can't have certain conversations. You know what I'm saying? In this country, it's very difficult because they're immediately used as propaganda and turn into hate. And well, so, you can't have it. You can't have it with dumb people. You can have it with intellectual people, point. intellectual people, smart people, well read. You can have a conversation with them. Uh, ignorant people who only gets bits and pieces and no historical context, you can't talk to them. I think it's a, it's a good stuff. In this book, I remember it was like, I was stunned. I think it was this book, The Jewish Phenomenon, read years ago. I'm going to try to reread it now. All, all the old actors like Maury Amsterdam, a bunch of names like that, because the old school Jews, they had to anglicize their names or whatever, yeah. that kind of stuff. And the new school Jews, I think in this book, The Jewish Phenomenon, people like Seinfeld could keep the Jewish names. Jewish names. Uh, it's, it's, it's wonderful how things change. Also, and, and uh, I'm sort of going crazy now. Um, Malcolm Gladwell, he, I think in one of his books, he talked about, uh, I just forgot. I'm getting old. I don't know. I'm just going to urge everybody. We were know, talking about Tom, Tom Sullivan's essay on the Jew, Jewish as a, a generic ethnic group where he compares Jewish people to like uh, Oh, oh, let me, oh I, I remember now. Ben, come yeah. let me do this. In one of his books, Gladwell talked about how the Jewish people became really big, I think, in mergers and acquisitions in New York City mergers. because they could what did you say mergers and acquisitions i think mergers yeah. and acquisitions yeah. I, I may have that wrong yeah. not a journalist right. like you got it right like so the point is that because the jewish lawyers couldn't get certain jobs because they've discriminated so they saw this field mergers mergers and acquisitions and say hey, hey there's an opening here let's do this and so 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 people got to stop the the Jewish conspiracy stuff. And really, for me, like I said, you can really learn a lot about the Jewish people. Like, remember, I always tell someone, I had a lot of Jews on my show, Ben. I love the Jews. On my podcast, just a few questions, <laughs> a lot of Jews. I should, I should see the list of Jews I had, a bunch of them. All right, don't they, do they, a they, list of it, okay? Oh, yeah, a whole list of Jews. <laughs> run it by me before you do anything, all right? <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> run but, it, run it. But the, anytime you're even going to mention Jewish people, run it by me. Okay? I know, I know. <laughs> Just because you can't hear you too, run it by me, right? <laughs> I know. Because the thing about it though is that I was telling Jewish people off the air, I say, you know, you have a 5,000 year history. We only have a 400, 400 year history, and we probably won't be African Americans for another 1,500 years. We'll be something else. And so we, we, that's why we have all these issues, because we, we don't know who we are. 
or, or we argue, or like Professor Gates says, black folks have been arguing about who black, how to be black ever since we got here. Yes. But the Jewish people don't have that issue because they know who they are. And so I admire the Jewish people. I saw a book like this, you can learn a lot from the Jewish you people. You can, but I disagree with that because there's- What? The, the va First of all, the well, I, I'm, I know I'm gonna sound go Kyrie on you, but the original uh, Hebrews were black. Hate to say it, everybody was black back in those days. Well, I'm not going. Go, I'm not going to go there because no, let's not go there. All yeah, right, that's not, not go there. because. And that, by the way, Kyrie, a, I just want to say Kyrie Irving. I'm not saying he's wrong. I just don't want to go there. No, I his his apology when he went right. on that radio show was right. was very sincere. I thought he may have. I I've I all is forgiven, Kyrie. Okay, you know, he needs a Ben Jarofsky to run stuff by. You got to have Jewish friends or black friends or Mexican friends say, "Can I say this? Is this cool?" And they say, "All right, go ahead, brother. You can say it." All right, we have uh, we're out of time. So, uh, Mark Sims, I want to thank you. I want you and your family to have a wonderful Thanksgiving. That's why I'm out here to have Thanksgiving uh, with my family and all the millennials in Southern California. So, uh, Mark, thank you very much for being such a good friend to me and my show for all these years. And I'll be talking to you real soon. All right. Uh, the man being oh, yeah, bye bye. Are. All right. <laughs> That's the great Mark Sims. You can listen to his podcast. Uh, I also want to thank uh, producer Chris sitting in for Dennis. Man, Dennis is like Johnny Carson taking days off all the time. But uh, no, it's Thanksgiving. He had a, I think he picked his mom up to the airport or something. He'll be back with us tomorrow. So producer Chris, great job. The pride and joy of Alton, Illinois, just like Dr. D. Some of the greatest uh, podcast producers come from Alton. Uh, and producer Chris, give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. Peace and love, everybody.